joke Bitch started the whole world crying But I didn't see That the joke was on me Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, AP18 himself. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. I'm doing well. And to my left, the G-Dope himself. Garrett, how you doing? Doing good. Wednesday Comics Podcast. My name is Marvin, coming to you for the week of 3-22-2021. You know, I used to say, you know, whatever, the Tuesday and the Wednesday dates, but I figured, let me just say the day that it is today, and you figure out the next two days. I think you can add one and two. Um, so that's what I'm going to do now instead of the other two. Just decided. Uh, we're here to talk about comic books coming out for this week. Also talk about some comic books that came out last week. And uh, just talk about some, you know, the comic book world. It's out there. We're listening to it. Uh, speaking of which, we were talking about this right before the podcast started. And I said, hey, let's save it. Uh, so I have not completed watching uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm going to call that now since they changed the title. Uh, Garrett has finished it and Alex had just started it. Uh, I will say one thing, and we were kind of talking about this before we started. Uh, I'm about two and a half hours to three hours in, and I am enjoying it. But uh, uh, here's the thing about this uh, um, that's very strange is, first off, at the beginning of the movie, we talked about this last week. We don't need to go over it again. But beginning of the movie, they said it's presented in 4-3 to preserve his vision on that movie. And I'm like, well, you never showed that before. But I... I I was thinking about this. I'm watching this movie, and originally, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Garrett, his original, like, cut for the movie that the studio was going to put out was going to be, like, two, two and a half hours, and he has this four-hour movie, right? And so there's, like, an hour and a half that wouldn't have been in his original cut, but now that he gets to do an HBO Max, obviously, they're like, hey, do whatever you want, and he gets to do his four-hour version. I think what's good about this movie is that you can see everything like there's no cuts because i was thinking back into batman versus superman and the reasons why some of that movie didn't work uh and it was because a lot of stuff just gets like cut off and there's no like progression there's no there's nothing that really like it jumps from scene to scene uh and justice league i feel like uh it lets stuff breathe a little bit i mean it's four hours long you better let it breathe <laughs> yeah, I think what is nice, you know, obviously the I'm thinking back to like in Avengers Endgame when that movie was like three and a half hours or whatever that is, and everyone was freaking out because there's no intermission, there's no breaks. But obviously, the nice bit of watching uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League from home is that uh, you can take those breaks, and when it splits it up into the parts. Like, that's what we did. Like, my girlfriend and I, we watched the first three parts Saturday night, and we finished it on Sunday. Um, and it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice to not, like, have to, like, sit down and, like, find a good spot to pause because it kind of gives you that opportunity. I will um, say, though, uh, 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 those parts aren't broken up into any rhyme or reason. Like, they do kind of just end. And uh, uh, they're not a certain length. They're all different lengths. Um mm -hmm. So sometimes when it would, so there's actually like two times so far, I'm thinking I'm on part five. So there's two out of the three, two out of the five times so far where I felt like it ended and I knew it was going to end. I'm like, okay, here's probably the end of a part when it cut to black. But the other three times I feel like it just like cut to black and was like part two. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. 
<laughs> I guess that's yeah. where we're going to put this part two in. Um, I will say also, so not only get to see everything, uh, uh, I will say in a non-spoiler way, because we don't want to spoil it, because obviously Alex hasn't seen the whole thing yet. There's people out there that probably haven't seen it. There's people, probably people out there that are like, hey, I don't want to watch this. Like, I've seen it already. I will say it is the – it's it's kind of weird, because, like, you can see – there's moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, now this scene makes sense. And I remember watching the original and being like, what's going on here? What's going on? And there are certain scenes, which, like the Wonder Woman scene in the bank, which is in the original cut, or not the original cut, I guess the Joss Whedon cut, we'll call it. Um, but it was a Zack scene still, but you can still see that Whedon, like there's uh, some uh, things that are a little bit different because I remember she throws the briefcase like out the building and then this one, she like takes, she goes out of the building with it. And there's some like um, dialogue changes in that scene to make it like a little more uh, hip and uh, like upbeat kind of. And Zach's really is not concerned with making it them like funny people. Um, there's a couple jokes, but I mean like uh, uh, it, it's different types of humor, the both of them. And so I find it funny that they must have went in and dubbed over some lines that like that scene was already done, but yet uh, when they rewrote it, they were like, oh, yeah, do over that line. And I do find that a lot of the CG, where we went to go see it, it looked fucking horrible, a lot of the CG. I feel like there's a lot of CG in this movie looks great, which I know they worked on it post and they got more time with it probably. But also I feel like there's some scenes in which they use CG to cover up what they had shot because it wasn't what the scene was supposed to be anymore. And then now they can show you the original shot and it looks better, I think. For that reason. I mean, you can sum that up with just Henry Cavill's mouth, but uh, I guess, yeah. Again, I, there's so much that I would just love to peel back this onion with you guys, but I don't want to get into spoilers, but I will I say be jealous to be in both your shoes again. If you're just starting part five, I would be jealous to be where you're at and re-experience that for the first time, and it was only a couple days ago. I will say two big things that are uh, a nice um, were a nice surprise. The uh, cyborg and flash parts that they add back in that Zach had shot originally. Uh, all that's I think it's great. The flash uh scene when he's trying to uh when you it was in the trailer you know when he's when Iris gets in a car crash that's great I think and obviously the Zach Snyder he has to slow it down but still it works for that and then all the cyborg stuff with that's great. Like I'm also thinking back to what. Joss and Jeff try to change it from that into what they came up with and how they said nobody wants to see, you know, an angry black man uh, story again. And that's what Ray Fisher was like, hey, like they were being racist uh, and trying to change this character to be a stereotype. Uh, That story now seeing it, I'm like, I see what he says now. I see what he because that character is more complex now in the Snyder cut than he was in that Justice League movie. Uh, and just like movie, I remember like not understanding totally where he was coming from, why he was like mad and like because uh, I don't think his mom was in that that original cut, is he? Oh sorry, that's spoilers. But Yeah, all I'll say <laughs> is, you know, this movie has obviously created a lot of hype and has been doing great in streaming records and whatnot and like, you know, obviously I pay attention to some rumorsville, but you know, they originally they were going to say the Whedon cut, that's canon. All this is not canon. Well, I think they're changing their mind because this, uh, like I, you get done with it and you're 
you want to play you like you want to spend more time with these characters and like yeah i really think we should talk about it because like i think once you finish it you're just like man all these characters are so interesting and the team worked they had a certain dynamic that like they didn't capture which is kind of odd that i mean you know jeff jobs he's got a long career of comics that i don't know how he missed the mark and i know it's not just him him and joss whedon but it's just, I think this movie sets the tone for how you make a movie. And I get it. Like, he got a lot of money and he got a lot of time and, like, everything he wanted on his wish list basically got in there for the most part. Um, but you could spend, like, I finished movie Sunday before lunch. I think I spent all day uh, yesterday just reading articles about everything that went into the movie. And there was still stuff I could read. Like you can look, the score was completely recreated from scratch because, you know, Danny Elfman just used other people's music and added like a couple themes. Um, again, I don't want to get into this. Spoil- God, it's just. I, I do. I do want to say, though, that anybody because uh, they rewrote the movie when Joss took over. You get to see the original script from Chris Terrio, which also made me think like this is why Chris and Ben jumped off of that Batman movie, because of like how it got changed and now Ben came back to do scenes for this, like to do some reshoots and he was a producer on this cut and Chris Terriel, they his script is back on the screen. I will say all those things are improvements. So maybe, you know, like I was thinking that too. I was like, I know he left, but I think he left because he was like, I didn't sign up for this type of character. Like this is what I wanted to do. Um, and, and Zach knew exactly the kind of, Batman Ben wanted to be and uh I so far think in this movie once again more complex character than it was in the other movie. Uh there's a couple scenes they add in that actually add a lot of layers. Like I said, it, it in a way it also is not kind of fair because it's 4 hours long so you can put everything back in there and you can see all this. But in a way also like I think the script is stronger than Josh Whedon's script. I mean it's Chris Terrio, the guy who run a, one freaking Oscar for um uh what is it, Garrett? Argo, Argo fuck yourself. Yeah. Argo. So, like, you're talking about an Oscar-winning uh, screenwriter, and then you replace him with uh, Baldy Joss, um, uh, who just wants to tell jokes. By the way, hey, never mind. We'll talk about, like, the, the differences in the spoilers later. I just want to say, though, um, if they do decide to move forward with this kind of universe... Oh, no, that's what I was going to say. It, it obviously is a certain kind of style. It's not going to be for everybody. If you know what Zach brings to the table, that's the kind of movie it is. I'm not saying it's like some sort of revolutionary thing that everybody needs to drop, you know, everything they have right now and go watch it. But this is this uh this movie I saw is like critically getting the same kind of buzz that uh and like the Rotten Tomato score is like the same as 300. So if you enjoy 300, like it's up to that part. But then again, I know there's some people who just don't like that style of movie or like it's it's you know, uh uh kind of over the top in terms of it's like masculinity and uh and grandiose kind of uh speeches there's no difference here um like some of the action scenes it if you want to see action that's like just bombastic and not super realistic that's this which makes sense i'm just justice league but um the half hour that i've seen of this movie i've enjoyed much more than i enjoyed the original theatrical release uh, I gotta be a downer though. There sure are a lot of heroes killing everybody, and I know that's the realm we live in this DC land. Uh, but 
everybody's getting killed. Every bad guy is dead. <laughs> we, I think the, a big chunk of your guys' comparisons to the Whedon cut will come after you watch the last hour, too, because... Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun to talk about. So I don't want to say anything, but just right. Yeah, we we should we should remember to talk about this movie together. After I'll, say, uh, I'll, I'll have I'll have finished it by the the next time we do our show. Yeah, me too. I think next week's our uh, book club, isn't it? Nope. No. Oh, two weeks. Okay, never two, mind. Two oh, there weeks. we go. There we go. Um, uh, but so I just got to go the ahead. the Steppenwolf thing, and everything has been super well done, and this feels like a. Um, even like the first time we get to see Aquaman was really exciting. It wasn't what it was to begin with. And so I, I, I'm hoping and I'm hearing you, Garrett, tell me that it's just going to get better from here. Uh, I am excited oh, for I know our what conversation you're about, next Alex. week. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean they're killing people? Do you mean Wonder Woman? Uh, yeah, she okay. killed everybody. <laughs> she and normally I don't have a problem with killing people in a show. I don't think she killed uh, everybody. Well, she killed the dude who she threw him at the wall and then chucked him back at the wall. His face, I'm sure, split open. That's just, whoa, whoa, whoa. That. That's just a concussion. Children. That's he just a concussion. Children. I'm cool, and I'm I'm not saying that I'm judging that much, but uh, <laughs> after the whole her sonic boom with her wrist bracelets, uh, whoever else may not have been dead on the ground is dead now. This is getting to that... Uh... I'm just saying the Punisher gets yelled at and beaten up for killing everybody. Uh, these guys are all the Punisher. This is getting a fake tooth in Batman's mouth territory. Al. I will say one thing. because um, I'm not sure if it was in the original cut. I don't remember this. The uh, the Mother Box Awakening in the Amazon part. Is that in the original one, Garrett? Um, I believe so, yeah. Um, I don't think the way it was in that movie is the way that it is in this movie, though. Um... But I think there are differences. Like, the context of it is way different, I feel like. Um, I will say, Alex, when you get to that part, I think for me, that's when I was like, okay. Like, I, it, it definitely is a long action scene that I think sells what he's trying to do here. I mean, really, it really is. Like, you know, when you when we read comics, right? The Batman book is going to be a Batman book. The Flash book is going to be a Flash book. Superman book. But they're all, like... At least they used to be. It all, they all were like their own kind of stories and they were smaller scale. And Justice League was always the world ending shit. And always like the grand stage for these kind of stories. And so like I feel like if you're going to make a Justice League movie, and we can talk uh, all day about whether or not they executed it correctly leading up to it. But I think if you're going to make a Justice League movie, it doesn't need to be grand on scale in scale. And I do feel like that's this movie. I mean, it's four hours long. And also, it feels way bigger than the Whedon movie. Like there were certain, like the Whedon movie, always felt small. Like especially like that opening scene, remember that Batman scene on that roof with uh, Jim Gordon, and uh, like it was like in Gotham. I even forget what the context was of that. But like even that feels like it's it was shot on a soundstage, and it's uh, it felt like totally fake. And this does not seem like that, at least so far, which makes sense because. A lot of those reshoots, they just shot on a stage real quick, and we're like, okay, put it up there. Uh, it seemed like a, a more of a TV show at that point. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, move on here. Oh, hold on, my cat wants to get out, so you guys can talk about something. Comics are good. I like reading. Actually, for everybody, uh, not all cut up, I, but I've worked hard on it. In this past week, I've probably read about 30 books. 
uh, caught up on Amazing Spider-Man. I know for about a year, everybody's been hoping to hear me talk about Spider-Man. Well, guess what? It is coming just around the river bend. Yeah, well, I think uh, once we get to a certain forecast, or that might come up again. I don't know. So Whoa, uh, you never know. Speaking about coming around the river bend, we do have a voicemail here, which you guys are going to hear it. And I, I already have a response made up, so I'll, I'll, we'll listen to it right now. Hey, Wednesday Comics. Tom Devine here from A Comic Book Look. I just finished reading Proctor Valley Road, number one. Last week, you guys talked about how it made no sense. You didn't understand it. The thought the transitions were good, but didn't really know what was going on. So I kind of put it off. But now I just finished it, and you guys are all idiots. It's an extremely <laughs> straightforward story about a big black monster that throws a car 500 feet in the middle of the desert, and then this group of kids that are hanging out at a uh, fair go out to that same area because they think it's spooky, and the people they bring out there disappear. Then they end up at the principal's office the next day with the cops asking them, Do you, have you seen these guys? There's scary monsters out in this uh, you know, Proctor Valley Road, and um, these girls... Uh, brought people out there not knowing that. I mean, what what were you confused by Wednesday Comics? I mean, get it together, guys. Anyway, love the podcast. Can't wait for your next episode. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let, let me first say this. Let me first say this. And I think, Garrett, correct me if I'm wrong. We said this over and over again. The scenes all made sense. It just didn't make sense. The tra- He has the opposite of what we said. The transitions didn't make sense. Like, from right. one scene to the next. Like, the scenes themselves made sense. And also... The character, like, uh, the relationships between each character, that didn't make sense either. Like, I never knew who was friends, who just was meeting each other for the first time. Like, all that was confusing. I think that's what we were saying. I, the story we know, I think even Gary, you kept saying to me, like, you know when it's just you're at the scene and it's playing out, like, it's pretty good. Like, I understand what's going on. But then once we just jump to another thing, like, I don't understand how their motivations change so fast. And there's no context for why they're changing their motivations. Like, we understand the fucking monster. That wasn't the hard part. I don't think we've all three been called idiots in one time. And, like, that's what that's what got me. I stopped listening. Everybody goes, you three, you three are idiots. Well, I mean, it's probably true, but ouch. I mean, I think two of us get called it quite a bit, but... I mean, I call you two idiots. I'm sure Marvin calls whoa, you and I whoa. idiots. Whoa, idiot. <laughs> not to your face well, when you you're not here. Now. You virtually assaulted my ear holes, man. <laughs> but but I think we were pretty clear, Garrett. Especially me and you. I think Alex, did you read it? Yeah, yeah you did. I was. I, I think me and Garrett were very adamant, though, saying like the scenes made sense. It's just like like I didn't understand how those guys knew the story. And then all of a sudden, the girls like were asking about the story, and then all of a sudden, they knew everything about the story. And it, it it's just almost one confusing. of those things where it felt like there must have been like a not a prequel, but even like a, a catch me up page where it told us what was going on prior. And like you said, I these dudes who knew this stuff, I had no idea what was going on until we finally got there. Yes, I knew there were monsters, big whoop de doo. But everyone about this town knows what's going on. Except for these girls who are like, nah. Let's but then, just go screw but then these they, boys. But then they know about it and they're gonna take these guys on a tour and these guys on the tour all of a sudden don't know anything about it. They're the ones who told the girls. That's what I like that's what I didn't understand. Like I understood the whole fucking plot of it. I just didn't understand the context of the relationships between the characters. Also, like all of a sudden like they would change minds all of a sudden for some reason. Like all of a sudden the guys didn't know anything about it anymore. They say, Wait, this was all true? 
and it was like, dude, you're the guy. You're the guy who told them the story that you heard of this happen. Uh, and yeah, it's like it's like a story with no rules, but they explained everything. It would you be, know, like I don't. It would be like me telling Alex, "Hey, there's a haunted house over the way you live. We should go check it out." And then Alex says, "Hey, Marvin, I live next door to a haunted house. You should go check it out." And Elsa and I don't know anything about it. I'm the one who fucking told him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we to be fair, we've we've had that in real life where we've told you something, then you tell us what we just told you, acting like you told us first. But I mean, I mean, that's not going to be enough. That's what I'm saying. If it if <laughs> you put that in a book, then I'm going to say what the fuck happened here. Uh, it, but it wasn't like they forgot. Like it was within the same scene that they all of a sudden were like, "Oh, we'll take you out there," and it's like, okay, so. This thing you didn't know about two seconds ago, also now you're an expert on, and the guys who told you about it also forgot what the fuck was going on. So and unless then, the plot is you make shit up, and it just happens because you made that shit up, and now everything's made up. That's basically what I. I also they get like they they didn't know each other, the guys and the girls, because it seemed like they did, because those one guys were picking on the girls, and then those guys like got them away. But then when they were in the van, it seemed like they didn't know each other. But then when they got out of the van, it seemed like they had inside jokes. And then they like left oh. them behind and said, "Hey, who this guy's behind?" And they like didn't know their names all of a sudden. So like it was very weird. That's what that's and what we're talking in, about. They brought in that one guy at the carnival, and then he doesn't even come to Crocker Valley Road with them. I was like, "That's what we mean." Like all of a sudden they're in the van, and what? the guy's not there, and it's just like you can't just bring a character on screen and then say, "Let's go here," and then all of a sudden the guy's not with them. Like, it's not yeah. like it's not like a movie where you like maybe he shot it and he reshot something. He wasn't there that day. Like you're drawing this. Like he, he could show up any day. That's what we're talking about, Tom. Uh, yeah, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that book sucked. <laughs> it was alright. Uh, here we go. Comics coming out for this week. Starting with DC Comics Action Comics number ten twenty nine, the Golden Age Part Two. Uh, this is, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Beck Clunan, Michael Conrad with Phil Hester, Eric Gasper, and Michael Oming. Gary, what do you think? Gosh, you guys, first time in a while I'm not caught up on Superman. The issue just came out, uh, last week. Uh, I know this Action Comics is the second part, um, of whatever the first story part is in Golden Superman. Age. Yep. Golden yeah, age. the golden age. So I'm excited. I mean, in, you know, with Future State, uh, reading some Philip Kennedy Johnson. And what did I read today that had Philip Kennedy Johnson in it? Uh, didn't he do a part in Superman Red and Blue? No. I mean, I was reading another comic. I was reading Whatever. something DC today that he was involved with. He did do an, an anthology one recently, but I forget what it was. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, that's probably what it was. Batman. Uh, Black and white. white yeah, I think yeah, that. that's probably it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, new age and uh, no Bendis, so let's see how it goes. Hopefully, no cockapoo-poo. I will say, uh, this uh, golden age art, our uh, pal Phil Hester here doing a good job. I'm looking at it and being like, oh, this is pretty good. Um, and then a backup story, Becky Clunan. You have a little midnighter there, so there you go. With that, uh, there you go. Action Comics. Speaking of Batman Black and White, number four is coming out this week. Chip Zdarsky and Nick Bradshaw uh, on the, uh, for one story. Joshua Williamson and uh, Riley Rossmo on another. And you have oh. Becky Cloonan doing the art and writing on one of the stories here. Excuse me, never mind. Terry Dotson on the art. And then you have Daniel Warren Johnson. That's who I was thinking of. Daniel Warren Johnson. 
instead of Philip Kennedy Johnson. That's who I was thinking of made that one book. Uh, that remember last week I was like looking for that one book and I was like, did he write this one book? What was it called? It was pretty violent. That's who it is. Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, I forgot the book book he did later, but um, that's the guy. Uh, doing a story. Looks like he's doing the art and the writing on that one. And then Carl Kershaw is doing another story. Carl Kershaw from that Gotham Academy. Remember that book, Gary? Gotham Academy? Yeah, so good. Uh, when I uh, I was on the, the YouTube and I found a random video showed up on my recommendations of Garrett back in the day uh, talking about Gotham Academy. That was years ago. That was when you uh, got the uh, doing that CW thing or DC thing and you got a... What did you get out of that? I forget. Uh, like a um, oh, I got a Flash Omnibus. Yeah, that's right. And I think that was it. Anyways, there you go. Batman Black and White, you've been reading so far. It's been good. Good collection of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. A lot of good creative teams uh, just killing it. Um, there, there's there been some, like John Ridley did one with the Future State Batman, or the next Batman, I should call it. Uh, all of the other stories have been great, too. I'm, I'm really digging these anthologies that DC are doing, like Superman Red and Blue, Batman Black and White, and I think there was another one. I don't know, but it's really good. I think there was a Wonder Woman one. Uh, right. Batman, Superman, 16, Gene, Ling Yang, and Ivan Rice. Uh, Garrett, I don't hear much talking about this. You reading this? Uh, yeah, it's the first issue back since Future State. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested because Gene Ling Yang was doing it before Future State. So, hopefully, uh, it's going to be good. I see the Superman in this book uh, has a different kind of uh, costume on. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. I'm curious as to why. It's uh, like 60s, 70s uh, Superman. Uh, here we go with uh, a story called Detective Comics 1034, Marco Tamiki and Dan Mora. This is the first one, right? Of them? Yeah, baby. Here we go. The, here bat- go. the Battle for Gotham Begins Part 1, DC, DC Future State may be over. But the president looks tense with the loss, get it, with the loss of his fortune and manner, the election of Mayor Nakano, and the growing anti-vigilante seg- uh, sediment in Gotham, Bruce Wayne must rethink how to be Batman or risk be left behind by his own city. To make matters worse, a catastrophic crime wave has taken hold of the city, cultivating coal in a murder mystery that hits close to home. The suspect mounts. What? The suspects mount. The clues multiplying in the trail bodies hasn't ended yet. So uh, looking at this preview here. Very excited. And then we got a backup here. Uh, Demon or Detective. It's going to be Damon Wayne's in the back there. That's Joshua Williamson and Gleb uh, Melikov. Uh, that Robin story in the back there. You know we, you know we saw him steal the black book. He's gonna go do that stuff on his own. That's what that's about. So, what do you guys think, Detective Alex? Uh, should be fantastic. If it takes off anything from Dark Detective, it's gonna be amazing. Uh, I think it's the the change that Detective needed for all of us, even. But not that the previous stuff hadn't been good. Uh, but after reading Dark Detective and seeing what uh, Tomiko can do, and if Dan Moore is on this book, it's just just tied in a pretty bow. I cannot wait to read this book. Harley Quinn, number one, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Riley Rosmo. Harley gets her new number one here. 
looking at the preview, it's uh, Riley Rossman that you know and love. Uh, so there you go, a little Harley Quinn. Garrett, I was going to ask you, are you going to get that? I think I'm going to check out issue one anyways. I'm going to check out okay. issue one, see how I feel. I couldn't decide if I thought Riley Rossmo's art was enough for me to hop on for one, even just to give it a try. Or if I need to fight the urge and be like, eh, I think I can live without it. I haven't decided yet. I like the potential of him being able to do a monthly. That to me is exciting. Speaking of Harley Quinn, Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn book six, the finale. Uh, Katana Collins, Sean Murphy, Mateo Scalero, Dave Stewart on the final issue of this mini, right? Six? Yeah, I think it was only supposed to be six. Uh, Alex, what do you, I mean, Garrett, what do you think for this one? Harley Quinn. I think we can all agree that we've been loving it, and it sucks that it's already ending, um, but that's just a testament to how good the story is, and yeah, I really hope it ends in a great way. That sets up volume three in a fun way as well, and Hopefully there's a big poster that says uh, next month, Batman White Knight, Volume 3. I doubt next month, but this summer <laughs> we get On the White cover, Knight, Volume 3. It looks like that Harley Quinn has a new costume. Yeah. Looks more Batman-ish. Right. Got a utility belt. I mean, I guess Maybe she becomes the new Batman. The uh, White Knight. Uh, this book has been gold. And the only good thing about this book ending is the fact that we're that much closer to Volume 3 coming out. Anybody who thought, and I I do put myself in this category, anybody who thought that this would be a side thing and wouldn't be the same or worth reading, uh, absolutely false. Uh, So if you skip this because you thought it was a side thing, go and pick it up. Uh, It is as good uh, as the first two White Knights. Ha ha, number three of six, Maxwell Prince, W. Maxwell Prince, that's his name, Roger Langridge, Remy says real friends need not speak a word to each other, so there you go, ha ha, volume, oh, excuse me, issue three, uh, Garrett, ha ha, uh, ha ha, it's so good, um, issue one and two, I, I enjoyed, uh, two, okay, let me think about it, two was okay, um, I thought issue one was great, but issue two didn't really do it for me um but i am interested obviously it's this is issue three of six so yeah since it's an anthology i haven't seen any connective pieces between all the issues besides that they're just stories about clowns basically um not to say that there has to be just because ice cream man does that but yeah i've enjoyed it so far um interested in issue three there you go, the little haha. Speaking of uh, uh, books that are within their uh, first few issues here, Stray Dogs number two, Tony Fleece, Tony Fleece, Trish Forstner. Uh, Alex, did you check out the first Stray Dogs? I did. I yeah. did. What are we talking about? Here? I really enjoyed the first issue. Um, you know, it's sad that this book is going to be a mini, but the art was just amazing. I actually want to reread number one again before I read number two. I couldn't. I couldn't stop looking at it. the book. is beautiful, well drawn, well written. The story is interesting, and I. That's about. That's all that needs to be said. If you're not reading, I really think you should, especially since he is a a local a local creator, which is exciting. And actually, our local comic book store has a uh, individualized cover. Mm-hmm. Looks like the cover is seven. Uh, I also liked it. And uh, 
I saw that he already got a movie deal for it, too. So it's going to be five issues, and there's going to be a movie coming out. Alex's favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know what? The thing you sent us earlier, Marvin, before the show. Berserker? Uh, yeah. I was like, seriously? I mean, I already knew it was coming. Well, but seriously? Alex, you, can't have an, you can't have an action pitch by Keanu Reeves like that. I expect not them to not make a movie or a TV show out of it. I'm just surprised it took them a month to decide to do it. Yeah, let's sign it. it. It's let's just, let's it, give the book was, a chance to sell. So if anybody doesn't know, we're talking about Berserker, the book that we read that Keanu Reeves co-wrote with Matt Kent is uh, getting its own movie. Um, it looks like Netflix is making it. So, I mean, you also got to think about that, Alex. They make everything. So, I mean. I know. I know. <laughs> they also made Oligard. Did you see that yet? No, I haven't watched no, it. No, so that's what I mean. Like, they just make whatever. Uh, Barbara, Guys, you got to watch it. It's good. Is it? Okay. I didn't. I didn't know you watched it. Did you Old tell guard? us you watched yeah, it. Yeah, I told you guys I did. Yeah, you know so what? You talked about it like three weeks in a row. Mm, I don't really listen to him. Barbellion, Red Planet, number five of five. Jeff Lemire, Gabrielle Walta, Garrett. You're right. Oh, excuse me. Tate Brombell also writing. Uh, Garrett, how's the uh, Barbellion been? Barbellion's been great. Um, I can't believe this mini's already uh, coming to a close as well. Um, the last issue. Kind of took everything that's been going on in the series and really uh, <laughs> broke down some barriers because, uh, well, it's a little bit of spoiler talk. Uh, Barbalian's uh, uh, partner basically gets finds out that he is an alien in the midst of this, um, you know, social rights issue um, where basically there's uh, there's people fighting downtown based on their sexual preferences uh, versus the police. And it's just a very crazy uh, time for that going on. And then Barbalian showing up uh, and dealing with his own sexuality. So it, it's a really great book. And I think all of these uh, spinoffs like World of Black Hammer books have just been so great. And I think this is one's going to end on a really fun, good note. I think that's the one thing that impresses me is that when we had the the Sherlock Frankenstein, we had some of those other minions that were about the bad guys. They were okay, but now that we've gotten into these, you know, skull was it Skullbreaker? Nope, Skulldigger. Skulldigger. And then you had uh, the Cosmogog, Colonel Weird. These other books are so good, and it's finally these characters that we were interested in and we have loved now for five years. Uh, to get that little bit of back information, or some of it's actually just building into what's coming next, specifically Colonel Weird. Uh, these books are so good and so well written, and knowing that Jeff Lemire is at least a guiding hand in the book makes me feel secure that we're going to get that volume three of Black Hammer, and how much, how amazing it's going to be when it does come out. Uh, Team and T best of Michelangelo. This is just a collection of. Mikey story, so I thought I'd just bring it up because I think they did this. Is the second one that came out? Wasn't the first one Donnie? There's, a, there's actually all four of them will come out Donnie, oh, okay. Leo, Mikey, and why, Raph. Why did they say Mikey for last? Because Mikey's the party dude. Is he the, I think they actually went in the color order. No, oh. they didn't. They didn't. Is he the youngest? Yes. Why aren't they all the same age? Don't turtles. It depends. When you watch the uh, the 1987s, they I imagine them all to be the same age. But when you watch the 2012 one, you know Mikey's the youngest. He's the littlest. Uh, I think in the more current well, one, also in the 2020 2012 one, uh, they're all different types of turtles, so they're not even related. Right. I want to say the the 2018 one, they're all different kinds. Yeah, so which they're not is even exciting. related. They're not even brothers then. 
Sure they are. It's like four brothers <laughs> with uh, Marky Mark. Yeah. I do have a question, though. Don't turtles, when they give birth, give birth like in a, a bundle of turtles, not just one? Yeah, there's usually a, a nest. So then they would all be the same age if they all were the same uh, batch. Well, if you went and grabbed one turtle from one aquarium, one from another one, and just put them in a container, they might all be the same size. Oh, you're right. They were in a la- like container thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, Marvel Comics, Alien number one. They have the Alien uh, franchise now. The iconic cinematic terror makes its Marvel debut. Philip Kennedy Johnson writing, Salvador La Roca doing the art. Gabriel Cruz give his life to the Waylon uh, Yotani in the case of an alien attack he barely survived, almost literally. Recently retired, Cruz is trying to patch things up with his abandoned son with the help of his friend, a bishop model android, but his re-entry into civilian life is not going smoothly. His encounter with the deadly xenomorph is far from over. Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador La Roca team up to tell an all-new tale of the titan of horror and science fiction that has scared audiences for decades. No one is safe, no one is innocent, and no one can hear you scream. Uh, there we go. The <laughs> Alien franchise. I will tell you one thing. Uh, Salvador La Roca, I apologize, but I do not enjoy his art. Uh, and so I would maybe would have considered this uh, if it was a different artist, but I can't do it. I can't do it. He's like a way too shiny, and it looks like uh, he just drew over a picture. So I don't really like it. Uh, Spider-Man. He's amazing. 62. Nick Spitzer, Patrick Gleason, new comic debuts. Uh, Alex, are you caught up with this? You said, or no? I am caught up with this. What? I know, everyone. Sit in your seats. You are surprised. But I did catch up. So do you want to know what I think about 62? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, so when we got to 61 and they had the new uh, costume change, I was like, oh, we're re- we're resetting the standard for what he's going to be able to do, and he's going to have a job, and yet 50 issues from now, he's going to lose that job. And I'm like, oh. But everything Spider-Man related, I really enjoyed. The Peter Parker stuff, meh, who cares? Uh, what Mary the Jane. fuck? I like Peter, but I'm just disappointed he got a new job, and I know Jameson is part of the deal. So I'm like, okay, with JJ on it, maybe it'll work out just fine. He knows what's going on with Spider-Man. He knows the secret. He knows what he's doing. So, who knows? I might be surprised. I may look the fool. But I uh, I just felt like we were rebranding again. I was like, no, just... Rebranding? I think it's new storytelling. I think it's a way to shake out of the same Spider-Man formula that's been going on since he first debuted. I think it's going to be something... Yeah, he's going to try something new. He's going to, like... The guy can never catch a break. Why can't he make a little money? Why can't he make some money? Yeah, but every time he makes money, he ends up having to pay it all back. So it's just going to be him starting, you know, what Parker Industries, then going bankrupt. Or it's going to be he works for the Avengers, then he goes bankrupt. Uh, He's going to wear this sweet techie suit. It's going to get destroyed. He's going to go bankrupt or get hit by a bus. I like Spider-Man. I'm excited to read the book. I'm just saying, there's one flaw. We had to try to build him up again. Let him just build up as a character himself and not be like, hey, here's a job opportunity. Boo. But uh, I caught up. That's all that matters. 
True. In uh, let's not venture too far away from the uh, Spider-Man universe. Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, number one to four. Wasn't that what the Wolverine was called? Yeah. So yeah. you know, Carnage <laughs> rules. Al Ewing, Ben Percy, Teeny Howard, Ken Lashley, and John McCrea. Uh, cover in art by Sarah Pacelli. Witness Lucero Chaos caused by Carnage. Brought to life by some of the greatest creators at Marvel, but. Beware, true believers, true to their titular character's namesake, these spine-chilling tales are not for the faint of heart and presented in black, white, and blood. So there you go. There's that. Uh, speaking of the books who are doing, you know, uh, just specific colors, there's one, uh, Garrett, uh, that's blood. I guess it's red, I guess. But uh, Once in the Future, 17, Boom Studios, Karen Galen, Dan Mora, Alex... Once in Future. You know what? Once in Future is probably still one of my favorite books coming out as of recently. Mostly due to that Dan Moore art is always just above par. It's always a hole-in-one. Uh, we've gotten into that that even creepier lore where we got Lancelot. He's really kind of a dick bag. Uh, I don't know who he slept with. I think it actually was his mom. Uh, the book is just, it's effed up, but it's so good. So good. It is effed up, but it is so good. That's what we just heard here from the uh, uh, Alex Pistrillo. Uh, Alex, what do you think is going to be your pick this week? Oh, I don't. This is such a tough choice. I'm looking at all these books, going, "Oh, I like this." You know what? Uh, easy. Never mind. I decide. Harley Quinn, White Knight, number six. There you go. That Harley- book has not missed once. Garrett, what do you Always think? Gold. I mean, got to go with that Detective Comics. So excited for uh, Mariko Tamaki and uh, Dan Mora. Here we go. Well, those were both going to be my picks. So, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with it still. Uh, what did you say, Alex? White Knight. White Knight. Yeah, I'm going to go with White Knight. Uh <laughs> Harley Quinn, White Knight, number six. There you go. Uh, Alex, the weather outside has been nice the last week. What can we look forward to for the next uh, seven days? I don't know. You ready to hear some bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) So supposedly, actually, it should already be raining. I am down in my basement, hunkered down, because I'm afraid of rain. Uh, So I can sense it. Rain's in the air. It's coming. Whether or not it's already in Sioux Falls, it's on its way. Uh, might be a little dreary, might be a little damp, but you know what? It's springtime. By the time it's done, all that grass will be green. And by the the weekend, yeah, it might be a little cool. But you know what? You got sweatshirts for a reason. That's why you go to Tea Public. That's why you buy a sweatshirt with Jason! our logo on. <laughs> or you're Alex, and you just wear that one vest over and over and over again. You know what? I would think for a guy who probably loves Back to the Future... Uh, you would support my Michael J. Fox. Dude, I do. I use I his moniker. It. I support it. I, I can't support it. I support it. This is Alex's forecast. It's going to rain. <laughs> yeah, Ollie from Family Guy. That's me. It's going to rain. All day. Is that what you were talking about? That was also my theme song back in the day. Is that's why you got to go into your basement because you're afraid of getting hit by a person? And uh, who who wouldn't be afraid of that? Walking outside, just being killed by bodies. Take the rain. 
Uh, there he goes, supposed to rain. He says, "You know what? Actually, I enjoyed the weather the last couple of days. Snow all melted now. Uh, what's the chances, Alex? I know you got you think forecast. You don't think climate uh, in terms of long term. But uh, what about in the next month and a half? Any more snow? In the next thirty days, there's a six percent chance of snow. Whoa! Jason." If you can get why I keep playing this, uh, you'll win. Jason! I don't get the rest Jason! It's from uh, the game Heavy Rain. And since he's talking about rain being heavy, I thought I would play that. All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, brought to you by RainbowComicsAndCards.com. Your definitive source for all things uh, comic books. Uh, if you, Alex, if you ever needed comic books, where would you go? Rainbow. Yeah. That's where I always go. Pokemon cards back in the market. I, I just got a, a box of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Came with uh, four Pokemon cards. Uh, they're everywhere now. You can get a Happy Meal with Pokemon cards. So you can go to the store. Whoa, 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 whoa. Cinnamon Toast Crunch has got Pokemon cards in it? Oh, they do. And Lucky Charms. What the fuck? But if you want to you know, like eight, eight options. Eevee, Pikachu, Ghastly. God damn it. I else. just bought some Apple Cinnamon Cheerios today. What the fuck am I doing? Stop being heart healthy and eat some shit. God damn it. Uh, Did you guys see that story about McDonald's? Uh, one second, Selling please. out of theirs? Oh, whoa, whoa. RainbowComicsAndCards.com. <laughs> Go oh, ahead. Yeah, sorry. Had to finish the ad. My bad. I'm just saying. You somebody... are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? What were you going to say? I was going to say, did you guys hear about they were selling Pokemon cards at McDonald's and like a bunch of scalpers were buying them and they're selling them on eBay for like ridiculous amounts of money now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For the kids, man. They're for the kids. Such an idiot. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Comic books Superman uh, Red and Blue. Is that right? Yeah. Blue and Red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Written by various people, artists by various people. Let me pull up that list here before we talk about it. Uh, I don't know why. I just like you obviously were telling a story, and I could use that time to uh, navigate to figure out who made this book. But instead, I was doing this. Such an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> well, there was four creative teams, or I guess three creative teams and a person. What the fuck is this? Um. Did you find it or you need me to find it? Uh, Alex, you find it. I just got to ask you, I got to ask one question to Garrett while you look that up here. Uh, Garrett, uh, mm-hmm. were you disappointed that it was Superman red and blue, which obviously means there's only red and blue in the book, and you don't get to see the yellow S in the back of the cape? You know, it did bug me because there was a couple artists that chose to put the S on the back, and you couldn't tell if they left it blank because it was supposed to be yellow. So that did suck, but um, I get it. You mm-hmm. know, I thought people, I thought the artists were really creative for doing like uh, skin color with like a hue of red or a hue of blue. I thought that was very creative or just like white. Um, but yeah, yep. the, the, yellow S, uh, the yellow S depressed. Oh, here comes out. Yeah. Ready? Go ahead. Uh, so the first one's Untitled by John Ridley and Clayton Henry. The next one is A Measure of Hope by Brandon Easton and Steve Lieber. Uh, the Boy Who Saved Superman by Wes Craig. Uh, Human Colors by Dan Waters. 
and Danny, and then School of Hard Knock Knock Jokes by Marguerite Bennett and Jill Thompson. And that's all I got. There we go. That's what it's in this book. I will say a majority of those stories, and even the one I think I didn't enjoy as much, I still thought was good. Uh, I really like them, especially the artist on a few of those ones. The first one, the uh, John Ridley story, and then the last one, the Jill Thompson uh, art. What was the artist in the first one there, Alex? Uh, Henry. Nope. Clayton Henry. Clayton Henry. And then at the end, Jill uh, Thompson. I thought both those art styles were fantastic. Really fit the book. And I thought the last story, I really enjoyed the last story a lot um, and the first story. So maybe those two are the best ones, I think. And I mean, you start and you end with the two best. I did like the concept, though, of this certain camp being laced with low, um, what do they call it? Low kryptonite. Low gray kryptonite. So that it didn't kill him, but it made it so he was powerless, Superman. And he uh, had to be tortured and uh, be powerless for that amount of time. So, um, I don't know. Something about that story that really, I mean, it, there was parts of it where I kind of felt like it was kind of preachy, but also felt like it felt like Superman to me. And then the last story, too, same thing. Felt a little preachy, but also I felt like uh, it was, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it seemed genuine. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Genuine. What do you think, here, Garrett? Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. I think, obviously, for me, you know, big Superman fan, uh, it's nice to see different perspectives on how people see Superman or want to tell stories about Superman. Um, you know, I think, I would agree with you, Marvin, I think the, the last story was pretty great, and the first one as well. Um, you know, I liked them all, obviously. Uh, I do like the idea that Superman is such like a Boy Scout that he would sit I'm thinking of like the fan mail one uh, where he would sit and read all the mail that he receives in a P.O. box. I was like, that's, you know, and Lois calls him Smallville because he's just so freaking like, <laughs> just so nice. Like, that's the moment I thought I was like, Jesus, like even this guy sits and reads fan mail, even if he's late, you know, and he just feels horrible for uh, the kid whose um, mom passed away. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought the art styles were great. Uh what was a big surprise for me is how much I love uh, seeing Wes Craig's art uh, back in the mix. I'm like, where's Deadly Class? Because missed that art style quite a bit. And I thought he did a great job uh, with his unique style with Superman. And yeah, the last one, you know, if there's one thing I love about Superman and Clark Kent, it's a nice life lesson from Jonathan and Martha Kent. So that last story was pretty great and, you know, really sets up uh, Clark's ability to like, be a good person and instill you know good morals in other people so that was a really uplifting story and i uh yeah i i I hope to see way more of these stories just like this because i i do owe it to like that uh what was it action comics 1000 like tom king did that story when earth was like burning up you know uh i just think it's so much fun to have different perspectives and different stories about superman because like obviously he's been around a long time and I think this did a great. This is a great first issue into that uh, realm of storytelling. I, my my favorite part, and it wasn't my favorite story, but the the boy who saved Superman um, after he gets his hand caught underneath the building, and they get the prosthetic on him. I like the fact that they didn't make it look like it was you know fake skin on it or anything. It was just this is his metal hand or his prosthetic, 
I really enjoyed that part. And when he shakes hands with Superman, the fact that he can feel, you know, obviously there's so much high tech in this, this books and these comics, but for him to have shook the hand of Superman and how excited Clark was to meet this kid who risked his life to save his life. I mean, how grateful he was to this guy, even though he wasn't dead. He was just unconscious for, you know, taking a sweet little siesta. But it was just so cool, the fact that we didn't have to fake his hand. His hand was, they shook hands, and they both go, oh, you got a strong grip. So do you. But they didn't have to hide it. It was just, hey, this is my, you know, he's got a prosthetic. Even looks at it going, yep, this is it. I liked it. Superman, red, and why isn't it called red, white, and blue? Because he's. That's a good call. You know? I don't know. Maybe because there's not like white in his costumes keeping it. I think they should have called it uh, red, blue, and yellow, but that's just me. Nobody remembers <laughs> the yellow in his suit. I will say. Go fuck yourself. So this is going to be an ongoing right anthology, just like Batman Black and White. Um. I will say at the end when it said, hey, these are the next people in the next book. Like, uh, I really didn't see anybody there that got me excited to try out that next book. So this might be one where I kind of see who's doing it and you drop in and out on that thing. So, But uh, this first issue, great first issue. Solid eight. I'm going with a nine. It gave me some good uh, hopeful Superman stories. So I'm, I'm pumped for Yeah, and I agree with you, though. I saw the preview as well, and I was like, Really, you're not gonna throw like a, a big name in there? I, I mean, there's there's some decent big names. The, I remember seeing one person names, that was like, I don't know, might be interesting, but there's nobody who I was like, oh, I gotta check that out. Right, Alex. I think eight. Would, I think sorry. I think eight's a good choice. I liked enough of it to be to be excited, even for issue two, even if I don't know. You know what? I don't want to judge a writer on if I don't know their name, and maybe they're not gonna be that good of a writer. But who knows? I've had some stories that that touch me more from. Someone Whoa. I don't know. <laughs> My God! Oh Jesus! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, today continue. on Wednesday Comics SBU. Continue. You had some comics touch you, I heard. <laughs> That's a hot take, guys. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Comics touch you. <laughs> I'm done. I'm just going to wait. There we go. That's Superman Black and White number one. Uh, We also read a book called Ultra Mega number one. Uh, James, what's his name? Heron. Heron. uh, Writing, drawing, and then Dave Stewart on colors. Uh, An oversized. Both these books were big, by the way. Yes. The first one was like 43 or 6 pages, and then this one was 66. So over 100 pages of comics we read. And that's why we're only reviewing these two because they were huge. Uh, but this Ultra Mega, I will tell you one thing. So the concept basically is Kaiju. There's this guy who turns into the Ultra Mega whenever he's around somebody who also has a different gene to turn into a Kaiju. Uh, and he's the one who triggers that when he's by them. And like they both like, somehow, it's like almost like a proximity mine. Both of them kind of get triggered by it and they both turn into that and they start fighting. What's funny is that um, <laughs> I was just thinking, uh, this book has a like a lot of dark, kind of humor and also um it's very a very strange strange world that they live in like it's all natural the kaiju thing like when he's talking to his wife like it's there's nothing really surprising about it. he's like oh, just make sure you get home on time oh there's another one already right, see you on tv and 
What's wrong with your head? <laughs> well, I found that funny when he shrank down his head and getting any smaller. So he, the way he looked was hilarious. That's what I mean. Like it's it's like, and Alex, I think that we can say from Rumble, it was kind of like that too. Like it would be funny. It would be uh, like uh, kind of body, kind of gross humor, uh, meaning that you saw fucking guts and everything, which you do see in this one too. And um, yeah. it also was Rumble was kind of fucking weird too. Like it's I don't know what the word is to describe it. I don't want to just say keep saying weird. It's very, but it's quirky. Like it's it's it's. It's that in between uh, Tim Burton and um, who did Hellboy, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, it's like a mix of those together. You got like live action prompts, and that's some of these faces. Like there's that one woman whose face was sideways, and then her eyes open, and she's like spitting out grubs and other grody things. I was like, okay, I, I believe that could be put into a movie or a TV show, which I don't want made from this book. Um, <laughs> But but this book was grody. Like this was it was gnarly stuff. It was. I mean, there was a couple of monsters that I like would even just like yeah look at in good detail. And I'm just like shit. Like I wouldn't want that thing coming at me. And then also like he had like this. There's a lot of history there. Like this was he obviously has been doing this for a while, and we kind of see the story then. And then it kind of does a jump when he uh, spoilers uh, dies. Gets his guts ripped out and then gets his head fucking knocked off that big head of his. And uh, then they cut to later on in Ultra Mega, like a a younger Ultra Mega, which I'm going to assume is his kid. um, Since the guy who killed him was his kid. Two kids. Two different kids, two different moms. And say his previous wife was... Part of the virus and had the virus all over. Correct. Yeah, he got her pregnant. The son inside while she's pregnant and had the virus. He got her pregnant and then, like, almost in the third trimester, he was like, "Holy shit, they got the virus!" And he ran uh, because he was like, "I can't. I don't (laughs) want to make just they got the virus. (laughs) I don't want to make them turn into a kaiju." But what he did instead was trigger the process, and then now she was able to do it over time along with her son. So that they grew up to be super powerful. By the way, that scene when the delivery driver stops by and he's talking to her, like that's it's like a creepy, weird, not even like a Tim Burton. I know you said that, Alex, but I feel like it's it's a different kind of almost like uh, uh, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Naked Lunch or read that book. It's kind of like that kind of weird. Um, for instance, in Naked Lunch, there's a, a scene where uh, there's a, a cockroach uh, uh, tight riper of riper. Type writer, and when he pushes the keys, the little bug goes, "Oh yeah, go ahead, keep doing that." And it's just like it's just fucking weird, you know what I mean? It's just like it doesn't. It's yeah, keep doing. That. But everybody thinks <laughs> that it's normal, and then in this world, it's kind of normal for all this shit to be going on. And so, like, it's very the way, especially it's drawn. Obviously, uh, James, uh, his art style is it's almost kind of like a James Stokey, but less detailed, more like a James and um, kind of who am I thinking of? Uh, you know what? Almost like a, a, a more cleaner Riley Rosmo, and like those two other artists, James and James Stokey and Riley Rosmo, are also known for drawing pretty gross, like body kind of horror. We'll say so. It almost is Cronenberg esque, kind of like The Fly. Uh, and I really enjoyed that aspect of the book, like the coloring, especially Dave Stewart's colors and like everything about it. It just that this definitely is a book that when I read it, I felt like I was in this gross kind of world, 
and it definitely you know took me out of my surroundings and placed me right there it was it was such such a vivid kind of uh environment uh that i was all for it i will say though um uh i think it was a little bit too long of a first issue i think there were some kind of like little writing things here and there that kind of felt like they could have been done better um it's james i I read in the back he said it's the first thing he's written ever so i can kind of see like some places where it's maybe a little too much uh and uh it's there's kind of some corners cleaned up there but otherwise i think it was i I really enjoyed it it was really fun yeah so so there's the the after they kill the first ultra omega or ultra mega and it's the blood is just pooling you know gushing from his dead body into the city streets and his now current wife goes oh crap i know who that is and she books it and then time had passed and they tell you and james tells you in the writing uh the blood started to clot it finally hardened some of the alleys finally got scabbed over and so in the picture he's got you know these firefighters taking their shovels and are digging the blood you know dried blood and picking these people who've died and drowned in it i was just like oh my god that's what i mean like that that is fucking it's gross weird the whole thing is fucking strange to even think about that like when he gets his head cut off that he bleeds out of his head and since he's a giant fighting a kaiju uh ultra mega uh all that blood has to go somewhere and so it fills the streets people drown His, his wife drowns he kills his wife with his blood because she can't swim above it, but she holds his son above it, and he's like stuck there in the in this in the blood. It's all fucking like really weird, but yet so uh, unique uh, the way that it tells. Like it fits in that world. And like I said, it kind of I don't know something about it. Like makes me not want to look at it, and also keep reading. Uh, I'm the same boat. Like I think. Uh... I don't know, you know, Kaiju is a fun. It made me think of like Pacific Rim and like Godzilla and all those uh, fun, fun things. But uh, the I the part I didn't enjoy was the time jump, and I know they had to do that because like I'm, who knows, like probably is the guy Jason's son. Um, but he gets this like object that we haven't seen before, and I'm just like, is it that fucking eye that was shoved up in that gauntlet? But it's not an eye anymore. I was like, I don't know that part of the story. Whose son? Like, but I thought, huh? Whose son? Jason. Jason! Uh, I've been waiting for you to do that for a while. (laughs) Wow. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought the art was great, and I had a good time with the story, but, yeah, when it got to the future stuff, I was like, it didn't give me enough of a hook into issue two, but I'm still going to get it. I did see issue two is also $8 and also 66 pages, so it's... It's not ongoing, is it? Or is it a mini? What are we looking at here? Uh, I didn't see either status. I only saw just the second solicit. Because I don't know how much I could keep getting a book that's that expensive and that big. I mean, if it's going to end. Obviously, if it's a monthly, like, how do you sustain that as a writer and artist? So I I can't see it as a monthly. Like, if this thing was a quarterly, then yeah, maybe. And that way you keep that ongoing. But I don't know. Maybe it is a mini. I don't know. Who knows? But. I assume it's it's got to be six issues or less because as of right now we just got three issues in this one book. I think next issue here. Obviously, I had it up here. Uh, um, you talk. I actually really love this book. Like the the grodiness was good. The few writing things that could have maybe been a little trimmed up 
were not enough to take me out of this book. This was a 10. I actually, it was nice getting into that Rumble-esque world, especially just with the art in itself. And to know this was his first book, uh, I thought it was really well told. Um, I would give it an 8. I thought it was a pretty strong first issue. Uh, and just confirming, yeah, this second issue that's $8 comes out April 21st. So it's monthly as of at least the first two issues. Uh, I will say I'm in between you two. I really uh, enjoyed like the unabashed uh, uh, grossness of the book, but also the strangeness. Uh, I will confirm also Ultra Mega Number 3, also $8.66 pages. Excuse me, 44 pages. Um, and uh, May 19th. So I guess at least for the next three months. Um, Ooh, I don't know if I can swing that. But uh, I liked it. I mean, like I said, it definitely is its own thing, and you definitely have to be ready for that. And I think I kind of knew that from Rumble. Um, but also I think it was less more gross than Rumble, uh, but in a good way. I like to see the cities filled with blood. You know what I mean? You know what needs to come back? What? Leviathan. <laughs> Leviathan. Special oh, yeah. Right Leviathan. Well, John Lehman and... Um, oh, crap, who's the artist? The, the artist from... Isn't it John Chu or John... No, that's the character for Chu. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. mm. it's, it's John Lehman was the artist, the writer. <laughs> wow. We got I don't remember who the artist is. It doesn't matter anymore. Guerra? Who knows? It wasn't that good. Leviathan was <laughs> a comic book by John Lehman and art by uh, the guy who did Manhattan Projects. Yeah, okay. uh, there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, Ultra Mega number one in Superman uh, Red and Blue. I'm gonna say he keeps wanting to say black and white just because Batman. Batman. Black and white. Hey, did you like that story where there's no color and Batman's like, I live in a world of black and white. <laughs> he also showed up at an order, didn't he? Yeah, he, was uh, just there. he was talking to Clark, yeah. He just like popped up and then he kind of left. They were like, Batman sees the world in black and white, right? And then Batman would have been. It would have been funny if the color was being revealed and you like pan to Batman. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were like, hey, the world needs color also. Then also Batman popped up and he said, what do we need the color for? It might be, might fuck things up. And Clark was like, what the fuck? Like he popped out of nowhere. Batman might as well have been like, Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're on a roll with the soundboard tonight. Jeez Louise. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, Wednesday Comic 605 at gmail.com. That's the email address you can contact us at. Or 605-215-1849 is the phone number. Leave us a voicemail like Tom did at the beginning. Uh, and we... Uh, solve that case for him uh you can also leave us a message on uh, wednesdaycomics.com click on the leave message button or uh go to twitter at wednesday comics at cross 2188 at alex pastrello or at marvin underscore salguero you can also go to wednesdaycomics.com and subscribe to the show spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, uh stitcher radio whatever is your preference go ahead and pick it and subscribe 
you can also subscribe on anchor.fm if you'd like to, too. Uh, WednesdayComics.com will bring you there. Also, while you're there, click on the website button to go to the merch page. You can get a, a limited uh, Wednesday Comics shirt. Uh, I'm brainstorming new ideas for shirts uh, coming up here. So, you know, you want you want you want a summer tea? I'm looking for a summer kind of Wednesday comic shirt. And I think I got an idea for one. Uh, I just need some time to put it together. So, uh, we got a book club? Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents Dark Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato Jr., uh, like I say, every week, it's going to be the first team up with the comic book look. Uh, you know, that, that, that dude from uh, Tom Devine, he's going to be on the show. We're going to have the legendary uh, John Ryan in with us. It's going to be fantastic. You know, it, the usual. You know, get us all together uh, in one room. And it's going to be crossover. Uh, I kind of build on that bit. Uh, crossover events uh, with, like Alex said, the two of us. And if you want to see more of a crossover event, go to YouTube and look for a comic book look. You can see Garrett on the show, Alex on the show, me on the show, uh, and many of their other guests. Uh, I believe JP from the aforementioned RainbowComicsAndCards.com was on uh, this week's show. You can go check that out there. Speaking of websites and checking things out, RootsOfTheSwampThing.com, your definitive source for all things Swamp Thing. The Holland Files is out. A uh, new one here. Uh Number four, uh, so go ahead and go to uh, RootsTheSwampThing.com. Get your issue ASAP. Uh, hey, that's you, Alex. That is me. Uh, does anybody ever say to you ASAP? Not very often. I used to get the AARP. Hmm, okay. All the old people used to call me. There you oh, go. A-A-A. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, ASAP. You fucked me up now. <laughs> Uh, another day, another dollar. Uh, good books this week. Enjoyed both of them. Uh, you know, it was a nice mix. We got Superman, uh, red and uh, white. Nope, red and blue. And uh, it was a nice inspirational kind of stories in there, uplifting. And then Ultra Mega comes, and I got blood and babies uh, almost drowning in people's and their father's blood. So, uh, you know, nice mix. By the way, <laughs> he was at the store. <laughs> What was he buying at the store when he saw that lady and she transformed? Was uh, he buying that teddy bear? Wasn't she looking at that kid? Like, she looked at the little boy like she was going to eat him. Well, that was her oh, kid. Yeah. He she looked at her and then just bashed her through the building. Well, when they're by each other. And then know. she pulled, or he pulled a King Kong where he stuffed his hand inside her and blew her brains out the back. That's what we call the Godzilla King Kong move. Um, kind of sound like that. So, uh, for Wednesday comics, my name is Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone, stay healthy. Keep turning those pages. Oh, if I only speak, the joke was on me. <laughs>